welcome to the ABCA's podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Brownlee. This episode is sponsored by Netting Pros. Netting professionals are improving programs one facility at a time. Netting professionals specializes in the design, fabrication, and installation of custom netting for backstops, batting cages, dugouts, BP screens, and ball carts. They also design and install digital graphic wall padding, windscreen, turf, turf protectors, dugout benches, dugout cubbies, and more. Netting Professionals is an official partner of the ABCA and continues to provide quality products and services to many high school, college, and professional fields, facilities, and stadiums throughout the country. Netting Professionals are improving programs one facility at a time. Contact them today at 844-620-2707 or info at nettingpros.com. Visit them online at www.nettingpros.com or check out Netting Pros on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn for all their latest products and projects. Make sure to let CEO Will Miner know that the ABCA sent you. Now on to the podcast. Joining us on the ABCA podcast this week is North Carolina A&T recruiting coordinator Elliot McCummings. McCummings has been an assistant for the Aggies since October 2021. Besides recruiting responsibilities, McCummings coaches his outfielders and the hitters. Prior to A&T, McCummings spent time coaching at Austin P, Radford, and Lewisburg College. McCummings' collegiate career started at Potomac State and finished at Jacksonville State. McCummings was an NJCAA second team All-America freshman in 2013. In this episode, we cover coaching outfielders, base running, hitting, the ABCA diversity committee, his coaching path, and the mentors he's had along the way. Let's welcome Elliot McCummings to the podcast. Here with Elliot McCummings, uh, assistant coach at North Carolina A&T, six-year continuous member of the ABCA, coached at Lewisburg, Radford, Austin P, played at Potts State, and Jacksonville State. So, Elliot, thanks for jumping on with me. Yeah, glad to be here. I appreciate you having me on. Yeah, did I get all that right? Yeah, yeah, you did. You did. Hey, how'd you get to Potomac State? Uh, So, funny story. Uh, My senior year, my dad was just like, hey, um, you know, I don't think – you know, the division one route is best fit for you. So I think you should look at some JUCOs. So he's like, just go on Google and look up top JUCOs in the country. And Potomac State was the closest one we could drive to for a camp. And they had a camp about like two weeks later. Uh, so I went down there for a camp, did pretty well. Um, and that's how I got done. There. So where's your hometown? Uh, West Effort, New Jersey. It's about 15 minutes outside of uh, Philadelphia. Did your dad play baseball also? He did not. So he played football in college. Uh, he went to uh, the University of Delaware. Okay, cool. Well, who got you interested in baseball? Uh, honestly, I guess my friends. Just my friends were doing it. Um, and, you know, I just wanted to do what they were doing. So just kind of went out there and, um, you know, just had fun with it. Never really thought I would, you know, be this far into it when obviously you first start. But um, just enjoyed it. Just enjoyed having fun. And, you know, we kind of just went from there. What did you learn from Coach Little? A lot. Uh, Coach Little, probably one of the best people to uh, to play for. Um, you know, the legendary coach has been there, I think, 20 plus years. And 
Um, you know, he's done an outstanding job there. So, you know, when I first got there, it was kind of or actually really immature, um, you know, needed to grow up a little bit. Um, and he just taught me the game of baseball, you know, just uh, taught me how to be, you know, just a mature adult, you know, how to go about my business, how to work hard. Um, so I appreciate him, uh, Coach Schaefer, um, you know, for what they've done for, you know, my career because, you know, it, it took off after my two years, you know, spending there and, um, you know, it helped me at the, the, the next level. What were some things maturity-wise you need to clean up? Uh, you know, just the simple stuff. You know, for me, you know, I was uh, that guy that if I got out, you know, it was like the worst day ever. <laughs> um, so I definitely needed to clean that up a little bit, just uh, change my mindset and that that aspect. Because, you know, as, as we all know, baseball, it's a hard sport. You know, it's a game of failure. So, uh, you know, you got to grow up and, you know, just take, uh, you know, the good, the good with the bad. Um, you know, so for me, just, you know, just being a little bit mature uh, in that way um, and just, you know, grow my mindset in, in the game. You know, just learn more about the game and learn how to play um, was the biggest thing. How did Coach Case at Jacksonville State find you? Oh, so uh, when I was in high school, um, one of my travel ball teammates, he actually went to Jacksonville State. Um, and then one of the kids that was friends with growing up, he went to Jacksonville State as well, too. They both played baseball there. Um, and I, I think they had something to do with it. I'm not 100% sure. Um, but I just remember the summer of my sophomore year, um, you know, they reached out to me um, and they were looking for outfielders. Um, and, you know, being from New Jersey, you hear Alabama, you're like, warm weather, I'm in. Uh, so uh, they they reached out to me. Um, I didn't even go on a visit. Uh, I just took the phone call, talked to my two friends that were already there, and I committed. So I was like, I'm in. Let's do it. That seems like that happens a lot with, with some of the JC guys. Like, they, they yeah. don't always get the same deal as the high school guys where it's like, they you know, and, and that's why I appreciate it to your guys is – they just want to go play. Like yeah, exactly. it, it, there wasn't a lot of fluff in the recruiting process with the junior college guys, because if the offer was good and they were interested and you had something they were interested in studying, like usually they were in on it, which I appreciate that about the two year guys, but that yeah. that's part of the benefit of going to junior college is they're a little bit more mature um, because they've had a couple years of, of the college level. They're a little, usually a little bit more mature than the high school right. guys. Right. Yeah. And just doing the research on the program, too, you just saw like it was a really good program. I think they went to a regional the year before, you know, I got there, um, you know, and just talking to my friends, it kind of seemed like a no brainer. So I just trusted them and what they said and, you know, really liked the coaching staff there. So, you know, just made the decision easy. Did Coach Case try to talk you into getting into coaching then? Uh, he did. He did. So um, after my senior year, um, you know, I had another year of school left, so I wasn't playing at all. Um, you know, so, you know, I was kind of just sitting there, wasn't really doing much besides going to school. Um, you know, one of my friends, he got a job at a golf course, um, you know, probably like during like the end of the summer. And he's like, hey, they're hiring. So if you need something to do, uh, just head over there and apply. So I did. Well, I got the job. Well, the very next day, Coach Case texted me. I was like, hey, meet me in my office at 10 a.m. I was like, what did I do? Like, did I, do <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what I did. So. I uh, met him in his office that next morning, and he's just like, hey, you know, I think you you would be a really good coach, and, you know, I think you could help us out. Um, would you be willing to, you know, be a student assistant here? And I just got that job, and I was like, coach, like, I, I just got that job. I can't, I can't, you know, quit that job after one day. Um, so I didn't end up doing it. But right after, you know, I graduated, um, you know, got right into coaching. So he's probably one of the reasons, you know, he, he talked me into, I wouldn't say talked me into it, but 
gave me some light on, you know, why he thought I should, you know, be a coach and, you know, kind of help me out. So. And then how'd you get to Lewisburg? Uh, honestly, uh, you know, just, I applied for it um, off the ABCA website. Um, I just saw it, you know, uh, you know, one of my coaches growing up, he went to Lewisburg and I was just like, I mean, why not? Just let's just try it, see what happens. And uh, coach Herring a couple of weeks later reached out to me and, uh, you know, had me up there you know, a couple of days later. You've been around some different personalities then as a player, you know, with your head coaches, different personalities as a player and also now as an assistant. I mean, what have you learned kind of from the different personalities that you've been around? Yeah, so, um, you know, just been around some really good head coaches and, you know, just see how they, you know, operate on a daily basis. And, you know, everybody's different. You know, you know, some guys, you know, are really up-tempo, high-energy guys, and you, you definitely can use that. You know, for me, you definitely got to be the same person every single day um, when you show up to the ballpark. You know, for coaches, there are no bad days. You, know, you can't let your guys see that you're having a bad day or, or anything along those lines. So you've been around some high-energy guys, um, you know, some intense guys. Um, so you kind of kind of can use, you know, everything, you know, that they use and, um, you know, go from there. Was that a benefit that you played at junior college going to Lewisburg? I mean, because you can kind of speak that. I mean, you know you know what those guys are going through. Did that help you going to Lewisburg? Yeah, like it helped me relate to the guys a lot better, um, you know, because they knew that I went through the process and they asked me a lot of questions when they were going through it. Um, you know, that year, I think we had about, you know, seven to eight guys that you know had a chance to really go into the next level. Um, you know, so they would, they would constantly walk into my office like, hey, here's my options. Here's what I got. What do you think? Um, and I was honest with them. You know, I think that's the one thing at the junior college level that you have to be is honest. You know, a lot of these guys have high hopes and, you know, they want to go to these top places. But at the same time, you got to be straight up and forward with them like, hey, if these are the schools that are showing you love, I think you definitely need to show love back because, you know, I think you could play there and, you know, you could have a really good opportunity. You know, obviously we'd all love to go to, you know, that Power 5 school, but if you're just going to be another guy there and you're going to be sitting on the bench, you know, there's there's no benefit to that. So, How do you fight that as a junior college player? Because you already went through the recruiting process. You get there, and now you got to kind of do it all over again. But how do you kind of blend, okay – I'm looking for my next school, but I also have to focus on doing well where I'm at too. Like, how do you battle that as a junior college player? Yeah, I think uh, you just got to just take it one step at a time. You know, for me, when I was going through the process of it, um, you know, for me, I just wanted to have a good season. Um, you know, that's all I cared about. You know, our goal at Potomac State was to win a region championship and get to Grand Junction. Um, you know, so the factor of where I wanted to go to school really didn't come into play. I just really focused on that just focused on trying to be a good teammate um, and just let everything fall into place. Um, and, and, you know, obviously if you win, people are going to notice and they're like, well, they must have good players if they're winning. Um, you know, so people came out and, you know, watched this play. So that's the biggest thing for me, just, you know, focus on the things that you can control and, you know, just go from there. Who nudged you to get into the ABCA? Uh, so Blake Herring, actually, at Lewisburg. He just, uh, you know, he was, I was like, we're going to the convention and you, you need to sign up for, uh, you know, the ABCA. So he's probably the, the main guy for sure. Love it. How gratifying is it being at a and I mean, it is one of the most famous HBCU schools that we have. Like, how gratifying is that being there? It's really cool. Um, you hear a lot of good things about it, just being on the outside. And then when you get here, you start to understand the history and the tradition here. Um, there's a lot of it, you know, from, you know, the football team, you know, to the track team. 
you know, to the baseball pro program. You know, there's a lot of things on campus um, that have happened here in, in years past. You know, there's a lot of you know rich tradition here. So um, it's definitely humbling to be here. Um, and, you know, our school wants to be known as the best, best HBCU in the country. And you know, I, I'll definitely say they are. Um, so. By the way, started the civil rights movement. I went yeah. to the Civil Rights Museum this year for the first time. Clemson was was in town for the ACC basketball tournament, and I grew up with their head basketball coach, but his parents were in town. His dad is a huge history buff and was taking them around town. He was like, hey, can we go by the Civil Rights Muse Museum? I was like, for sure, because I hadn't been there yet. It was so impactful. The video that you see, and then they kept the Woolworths. The Woolworths the same, so like, I really appreciated the fact that I got the whole history of how it started with the four students with the sit-in and just how impactful the sit-ins were. And then they basically started that, and then it filtered out from, from A&T to other parts of the country, which so basically it was the impetus of the civil rights movement started on campus at A&T, which is awesome. Yeah, it's really cool. And there's a statue on our campus um, right, right when you drive by through campus, you'll see it. Um, but the museum, you know, me and my parents actually went there last, I think it was last summer. Um, and so like you said, definitely an eye-opening experience. For me, if you know you're coming through A and C, I definitely think that's one of the stops that you need to see, um, just because it gives you a lot of info, a lot of background that you know what happened, you know back then, and um, just to give you an understanding of you know you know what happened. So I it definitely gives you a much better appreciation of what everyone went through back then to try to change and and get a change going because it was difficult, man, like tough times back in the 50s and 60s and it, you do appreciate everything that they went through and they handled it right too like it's you know that's the thing that stuck out is like they handled it exactly how you would have had to have handled it to get changed back then they did it the right way yeah and to think some of those guys were only 18 years old yes, 19 years amazing. old so to be that young and you know to stand up for what you believe in it's definitely impressive so what are your main responsibilities now as an assistant with A&T? I mean, I saw you in street clothes the other day. You're showing a recruiter around, and I remember yeah. those. You know, that there were times where we would have baseball stuff going on, and I would be walking recruits around campus, and so it just was a nice reminder of me of all the things that I went through as an assistant coach. Yeah, so my main responsibilities are um, the outfielders, um, help out with the hitters, um, and then help out recruiting. Um, so those are my three main ones. And then I'm in charge of equipment. Um, you know, that's easy and simple, you know, nothing too serious with that. So are you doing travel? I am not, I'm not. Thank we, you. Uh, that was, that was yeah. the one thing that I never <laughs> wanted to do. <laughs> I got lucky in 22 years. I never had to do travel. And, uh, when I got to Western as a head coach, I told the assistants, I was like, I will do everything involved with the program, but I'm not doing travel. I will help, and obviously I got to get the money when we go on the road and do all those things from from the money standpoint. But I was like, other than that, you guys deal with the travel. I'll set the schedule up. I'll do the scheduling. But other than that, you guys are going to handle the travel. And I did handle the bus because yeah. at Western I had to handle the bus. The head coaches had to handle the bus stuff. But other than that, I was not dealing with travel. It's my least favorite yeah. thing of any staff, of any baseball program travel is the worst <laughs> part. Yeah, luckily last year we had a volunteer, uh, Braden Gorham, that did most of the travel and all the meals. Um, and then this year we hired a director of ops, Justin Guy, who's done an outstanding job for us this year um, with the meals, with travel, no hiccups. It's been perfect. So they've done you know a really good job at it. It's a thankless job too, especially yes. on the meal side because you know you're oh. always get. That's why we went to Chipotle most of the time because 
It just it's seemed easy. like it just seemed like nobody complained. And honestly, shout out to Chipotle. They were great with the online orders. Of all the burrito places, I felt like Chipotle did the best job of making sure that the orders were ready and they were right every time and they were quick. Um, we had issues with some of the other burrito places. Yeah, yeah, you can't go wrong with Chipotle. Very easy, very simple. Can't go wrong with like, you know, just an easy sandwich spot either. Yeah. You know, that's pretty simple too, so. And that's a great thing for you guys here in Greensboro because there's a ton of options uh, for your guys. Like Greensboro is a yes. great city, uh, a lot of options for them, a lot of entertainment, but a lot of places to eat. There's just a lot of options for them and close to your guys' campus too. Yeah, you can't go wrong. You know, I tell all the recruits who come here, you know, whatever you like to eat, you can find it in Greensboro. Very I'm never leaving here, by the way. I'm never no. – my <laughs> friends from the Midwest are like, you coming back, I'm like, I will never go back to that. And I love Green, – Greensboro fits me. My mom came to town. She was like, this place fits you. I love Greensboro. Yeah, it's a, it's a growing city. Um, you know, we're right in the middle of the state. Um, you know, I think we're getting the overflow, you know, the Charlotte and Raleigh people. Um, you know, a lot of people commute to Charlotte or Raleigh. So, you know, it's a growing city. Um, and you can see that, you know, when you first, you know, drive through it. You know, they're building new buildings, new neighborhoods, new everything. Yeah. So. What'd you learn in the MLB draft league? Ooh. Uh that was that was a really good experience for me. Um, just to being being around um, that high level of a player. Um, you know, we had so many guys on our team. Um, you know, it was it was a really good experience. You know, I think the biggest thing that I learned there um, was just uh, you know what minor league baseball was really like. You know, for some of those guys, you know, obviously they're going to get drafted and. You know, they kind of want to see what it's like. And I think the draft league was the perfect, you know, thing for that. You know, it's a minor league schedule. Um, you're traveling like a minor league team. So it really opens your eyes. Like, do I really love baseball? Um, and it definitely helped a lot of guys in that aspect. You know, just the early work aspect, you know, the bus rides and all that stuff. So definitely a big help, I think, for those guys. Were you around any ex-big leaguers? I know there's a lot of ex-big leaguers that kind of help with the league. Were you around any ex-big leaguers? Uh, on our, on our staff, we did not have any XP. Actually, yeah, we did. We did. Jeff Manto. Um, Jeff Manto played in the big leagues. He coached in the big leagues. Um, and he was really good to learn from. Um, you know, he had a lot of, uh, you know, good ideas and, you know, he thought about the game differently, you know, than I did. And, you know, I asked him a bunch of questions and he definitely helped us out. Um, you know, and we had a really good team that year. So, you know, so he's a big help for sure. Did Kerrick Jackson get you involved? With the league. He did. Yep. He did. So Travis Jansen put me in touch with him, uh, you know, that summer or, you know, maybe a couple months before that summer. And he just basically said, like, we're looking for some coaches. You know, if you're interested, just let me know. And, you know, I had nothing going that summer. So I was like, this would be a really good opportunity to learn, um, you know, to be just around the game even more that summer. You know, so, you know, I jumped at the opportunity. Is that how you got to Austin P? Because Travis was an assistant for Coach Case at Jacksonville State. Is that how you got to Austin P? Yes. Yep. Yep. So uh, summer of, I think it was 2019, I believe he reached out to me um, and, you know, said, Hey, I have an opening, you know, if you're interested, just let me know. Um, and, you know, I enjoyed coach Jansen, you know, my time at Jacksonville state and, you know, getting to know him and get, get to play for him. Um, you know, so once he said, it, I was like, yep, yeah, I'm in for sure. So had Joe Rakuya calmed down at all, because he, he was a wild man when he was at George Mason as an assistant. He was at Mason when I was at James Madison, and I don't think he had calmed down much when he was a head coach. But <laughs> <laughs> No, nah, yeah, he, uh, he was a fiery dude. Um, I, I, I mean, I, I, I didn't know him, you know, obviously, before that. Uh, but it seemed like he was a little bit more calm, you know, when I was there. 
Um, he definitely could get fired up at times, but no, nah, he was a great dude. You know, good to work for. You know, learned He's a, a lot really knowledgeable well. baseball person. He's one he, of the smartest really baseball is. guys that ever been around. We all worked camps together back then. We'd work the best of Virginia camp. We'd work Old Dominion and Virginia Wesleyan's Thanksgiving and winter camps, and so we all of our all the assistants on the East Coast were around each other. Just had a really good knowledge of the game. He's very good teacher. Very good teacher of the game. Infield guy too. So he, he and yeah, I worked yeah, a lot he, of the infield stuff together. So I was around Joe a lot in the camp setting. Yeah, I remember we were doing individual defense, and you know I was with the outfielders and he was with the infielders, and just seeing some of the creative things that they did on that side of it. You know, it was impressive to me, and you know our infielders were really good the year I was there. So definitely, uh, you know, a really good infield guy for sure. With your time in the MLB Draft League, do you think that kind of helped you kind of hone in your teaching skills as an assistant? Because it's a little bit looser in summer ball. I think you can tinker around maybe a little bit more. Do you feel like it helped you in that way? It did. It did. I know when I first got there, they kind of told us, like, hey, some of these guys, like, we don't want you to work with them a lot just because we don't want you to mess with their swings too much, you know, before they get drafted. Um, but once the draft was over, it was full gut. We could do whatever, you know, we felt it was best fit for some of these guys. And, um, yeah, I would say it definitely helped me for sure. Just, you know, learning to teach a little bit more and, you know, learn, you know, some of the things that I liked to do with some of the hitters. So I tried to let the summer ball guys come to me with that stuff. We'd talk about it. I'd be like, hey, I, my main job is you go back to school healthy. Like, I want you to go back to school healthy and better. And I was like, I'm here for you. I won't tinker with you at all if you don't want me to. I said, but if you want help. I'm here to help. So I kind of just threw it on them because same thing with, with the coach at the school that they may be going back to, they may not want some tweaks. And I would talk to the coaches too at their schools and be like, Hey, do they need to work on anything and try to get some information from the coaches of the schools that they were coming to from. Uh, but the main thing was sending them back to school healthy. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. And that's definitely the best way to go about it. You know, asking the coaches and, you know, the players when they're there, they, they want to be worked with, you know, so they'll obviously come to you and be like, Hey, what do you see? Um, and sometimes you don't see anything like, hey, man, you just got to keep working hard and keep going about your business. And, you know, sometimes there's some small, minute changes that you need to make and you, you make those changes and, you know, they end up having a great summer. So and, and like did. for you too, like you look younger than you actually are. And like same thing for me. So I think they kind of view you maybe as a little bit more in their peer group where they feel a little bit more comfortable talking to you and coming to you just because you do look a little bit more in their age range, even though you're you're older. You still kind of look like you're in their age range. And so I think it was easier for guys to come to me at times. with, with them. Right. For sure. For sure. No doubt. What'd you take away from the on-base use certification? Man, uh, mobility is everything. It's uh, a lot of information. I, it really is. You know, you, you don't think of a lot of the stuff um, that, that you're taught there. You know, for me, you know, it just opened my eyes. Um, you know, so for me, when I was playing, you know, mobility wasn't talked about. Um, it just kind of. You know, for me, when I when I first got into the whole on base youth thing, I was like, man, we could we could really do something with this. You know, just learning more about the body, you know, how it works, um, you know, why certain players can't do certain things. You know, you'd be in the cage for you know hours. So I don't understand why you can't do this. We're trying to make changes. You can't do it. I don't understand. Uh, you know, but when you take them through that mobility test and you start to understand, like, okay, is internal rotation, external rotation, or whatever. You know, just isn't where it needs to be, and that's probably why he can't make the move that you want. Um, you know, so that's definitely, uh, you know, helped me just in in this game so far. 
Which assessments do you like the most out of out of those? Which ones do you feel like are the most beneficial on the assessment side? Uh, so for me, I would say the shoulder range of motion, uh, the hips, um, even the ankle one. I think the ankle one is the biggest one that you see where, you know, so for us, we gave our guys a test this past fall and none of them passed the ankle mobility test, like zero, like nobody. Um, and you just see, you know, how deficient they are in ankle mobility. Um, you know, that's something, you know, that you don't really think about, you know, at the hitting side of it, you know, how important ankle mobility. Hip the ground mobility. Up. Exactly. Exactly. What are the correctives for the ankle? Um, so um, they give you just certain exercises that you can do just to kind of, I guess, you know, just be more mobile um, with your ankles. Um, you know, so we gave our, a couple of our guys just some different exercises that they can do. And it's very simple. They use bands for those? Yeah, you can use bands. Um, you know, you can, you know, just so, use. So just, flexion, extension, and then, and then obviously internal, external rotation yes. of, the, of the ankle. So yeah. Yeah. And they're just providing resistance with bands for that. Yes. Yeah. By the yeah. way, intern and this ex extension of flexion helps with uh, uh, shin splints too. Yes, it does. It does. And you don't you don't think about that. So you know, you go through that whole process. You like, okay, yeah, okay, that makes sense. I understand it for sure. So. I mean, how long did you after you got done playing? Did you feel like it took you to to find your voice as a coach? Ooh, uh, I would probably say. As soon as I got into it, you know, at the JUCO level, um, you know, you're in charge. I was in charge of the outfielders. Um, I helped out with the hitters. Um, so, I, you know, I had to speak up. You know, it was just me and another assistant, um, you know, just, you know, doing our thing. So right away, um, you definitely felt like, you know, you had to speak up or, you know, especially what you're trying to do for me with the outfielders and, you know, having a, a really good plan and, you know, going from there. So for me, it was, it was right away. And coaching outfielders is is an art, and and it's not a position that's readily taught, too, especially at the high school level. And where do you start, especially with your young outfielders, when they get to you on campus? Yeah, so we we start from very basic. Um, so I take the glove out of it. Um, I take the legs out of it. So we go two knees. Um, we do the buddy drills. I'm sure infielders do the same thing. Um, that's where I kind of took it from. Um, you know, I'll set up the machine. I'll take the legs off the machine. Um, I'll turn the machine down and we'll just focus on, hey, like presentation of glove. Uh, this is how your glove should look when, you know, the ball's going to the glove. I just see your eyes going down to the glove, you know, when the ball's approaching your glove. Um, just simple things like that. Because like you said, when, they, when they're in the high school level, they're not really taught, you know, the, a, lot of, a lot of the basics in the outfield. We started um, so with cone down. stuff too, just for angles. Yes. So that was something yep. that young outfielders never even really thought of. They're just used to going to catch it, and then they don't realize that their angles are awful. And so yes. we did a lot of angle cone work with them just so they could work on their first step, getting out of the gates a little bit more efficiently to get to the ball. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. And I think for us, you know, breaking it down very simple has helped us a lot. Um, you, you can see some of our outfielders made, have, have made, like, tremendous strides and, you know, when they first got here till now. Um, and then we make progressions, you know, we'll, you know, obviously stand up the machine, turn it up a little bit, you know, get some ground balls that way, hit fungos. You know, we, we do use cones, you know, just to get them to better understand just different angles and how to go about to get in certain baseballs. So, yeah, definitely for sure. You got any drills to help them get the, behind the ball better? Um, so I have this four cone drill. Um, so basically it's, three cones in the line and then there's a cone right right in the middle behind those three 
and I get the machine or you can use a fungo or whatever you got. I shoot the ball to that um, that cone that's in the middle behind those three cones. And I just tell the guys like, hey, like we're going to run to the spot. So your goal is to sprint to that cone that's behind, get behind the baseball and work through it. And I think at first when you tell them to take their eye off the ball, they look at you funny like, are you sure about this? I'm like, trust me, just do it for like one second, two seconds, find the baseball very fast. And it's going to help you out a lot. Um, and, and they've they've done a really good job at it. Um, you know, we had a little issues early in the season, um, but once we got those ironed out, you know, we were smooth sailing from there. Yeah, if we had guys having issues with it, we would have them let the ball drop in front of them to yeah. get the feel of it. Like, hey, if we're doing this right, the ball should be landing in front of you. So they got a little bit better feel about how far back they needed to be to be able to get some momentum in through their throw too. Right. Right. You know, not get caught flat footed. Are you doing much prep steps with them? Or are you giving them freedom on what their prep steps need to be as the ball's going to the plate? Are you guys focusing much on that? Is there one right way to do it? Or, or what, how are you explaining that to those guys with their prep steps? So, yeah, we, we do prep steps. That's very big. Every time we do a drill, whether, you know, it's ground balls, fly balls, um, you know, I'm always having a prep step. So if I'm putting the ball in the machine, it's like, Hey, when my hand raises up to put the ball in the machine, you do your prep step. Yeah. Um, for me, there's no right way to do it. Yeah. For me, you know, you do, you know, right, left, or, you know, you could hop into it like infielders do just whatever's more comfortable for those guys. I don't really have like a hard line, like, Hey, this is what you have to do. Yeah. As long as you're prepped up and, and doing that thing, it, it definitely works. Does your, your center fielder cheat? Uh, location and swing at all I played center a little bit and I did this at second base uh, Berto Mercado and I were talking about this at lunch the other day I actually cheated at second base if I read location and swing I was moving before the ball came now I got burned sometimes yeah <laughs> but if I had to play center field and summer ball I actually would cheat if I read ball flight and swing I was actually moving before the ball was coming off the bat and I don't uh, technically, maybe you don't teach guys that, but I just felt like I got to more balls. I got burned sometimes, but I felt like mm -hmm. I got to way more balls. So I would talk to our infielders about that. Like if if you feel like you got the right read in the middle, go ahead and cheat if you want. I don't. If you get burned, you get burned. Yeah, that's something uh, that our center fielder he does a, a really good job at. You know, for me, you know, I position all the guys, and you know, sometimes I don't even have to say anything. I just look out there, and I'm about to move him. He's already moved, so I'm like. Oh, perfect. Don't have to say anything to him. Um, that's something that you know he's really worked on. You know, we talked about it, you know, especially during BP. You know, that's our time to, you know, get our reps in, our live reps as much as we can. You know, get those pitchers out of the way, you know, get your work in. And uh, he's really good at it. Um, he's done an outstanding job at it. Um, and, you know, he's, you know, gone, like taking tremendous strides um, compared from last year to this year. So. When's the first time you, you started to hear or see Pro Step? Because obviously there's pro step or traditional with their footwork. When's the first time you actually saw a pro step and it started to make a little bit of sense to you? Oh, man, it was probably my first year of coaching. Um, we actually went to the ABC convention. And I forget the speaker um, off the top of my head, but I heard it's him probably talking Darren about Darren Fenster. It. Yeah, it probably was. It was either him or maybe like JT McGuire yeah. um, talk about it a little bit. Um, and at first I was like, I'm not so sure about this. But the more too. like, yeah, yeah. But the more like you tested it out, and you did like, because I did it myself. I was like, I want to see if it actually works. And just for me, like, I just feel like you're just more athletic. 
you gain more ground towards the the infield, you know, it helps, you know, just, you know, cutting, you know, what you're trying to do, you know, for, you know, you're working ground up. So, you know, you're using your whole body instead of all arm to get the ball, you know, back to the infield. So for me, it's just more athletic and um, it helps our guys come through the baseball a little bit better as well, too. We um, had them so tinker with both, but I think especially for the longer, taller outfielders that you have, I think pro step is much easier for them from a balance standpoint too, to be able to yes. get lower and get through the ball. I think it's a lot easier on the taller guys. I think the shorter guys can can be a little bit more traditional just because they're lower to the ground anyway. Um, but that's a feel thing for guys too. And and I think thing that gets lost in the shovel too is like – either their left or their right foot's going to be their dominant foot. And so sometimes if a guy's a left foot dominant guy and they're right-handed thrower, they might be better in a traditional setup because that's their strong foot is their left foot, where you have a guy that's a right foot dominant guy, they might be better off being a little bit more of a pro step. But those are all those kind of those small things that maybe you don't think about because my prep steps as an infielder were backwards because I stepped in with my left because it was my dominant foot. Yeah, and you yeah, would never—I I would I, never teach an infielder to step in with his left foot, but I did it naturally just because that was my dominant foot. Right, right, and I tell our guys, whatever is more comfortable for you, go ahead and do it. Like I'm not a hard line. Like you know, you got to do this way, you got to do it, you know this way. Just whatever's more comfortable, you know, definitely do it. Do you try to make any adjustments with the recruits before they come on campus? Um, not really. Um, you know, I kind of let them you know do their thing throughout the high school season, and then. You know, once summer hits, um, you know, we really try to, you know, implement some of the things that we really want to do, um, you know, and, and especially when, when they get here, um, you know, early on, we implement some of the stuff that, you know, we want to see happen, you know, see them do, um, you know, so we don't really mess with them too much during their high school season, just kind of let them go go through that. And then once they get here and get to the summer, we'll, we'll start to make a little bit of changes. When do you guys get rolling in the fall? Um, so we take about, I would say like a week, week and a half to let the guys get adjusted. Um, you know, obviously you got to get physicals and all those stuff. So we let our guys go through that. Um, but once that week, week and a half gets, gets by, we, we start going. How do you handle volume for the arms in the seat in season? I, I always thought outfielders were all soft because they <laughs> they'd make a couple throws and in and out and then they'd be hanging. So just how are you handling volume for them in season? Uh, so in season, uh, you know, for me, I like our guys to throw the bases at least twice a week in season, um, just so we're doing it, just so, you know, we can keep covering it, keep going over it. Um, you know, so for me, I want those guys to long toss at least once, maybe twice a week, um, because obviously during the season, you know, you're playing, and you know, you're playing a midweek game, you're playing on the weekend, so you don't want to long toss too much. But um, we do incorporate long toss at least once or twice a week. Um, and I do have them throw the bases once or twice a week. Um, just to kind of go through it, keep the arms fresh, um, and you know, just keep it clean. How are you nursing them through the fall? Because your high school outfielders have never thrown that much. So how yeah. are you nursing them through the fall when they get there? So we kind of ease them into it. Um, you know, we kind of take it slow. Um, you know, we'll slowly progress into you know the goal that we're trying to get to. And you know, so for the first part of the fall, um, we'll go to like 150 feet, just keep it nice and simple. Um, and that as they you know, progress and their arms are getting stronger and they're getting used to it, um, we'll start to work our way back um, and then kind of go from there. And then, you know, obviously we crank it up a little bit more. Um, we'll throw the bases probably three times a week. Um, and, you know, that's how it kind of we do it. Nothing overly complicated. Just take it slow. And then, you know, once they progress, you know, move from there. 
you know, once their arms are acclimated, do you have any stipulations how far out they can go, or is it just to, to where they're comfortable? They can get out as far as they need to get out. So they have to go to they have to go to 150 feet every time they throw. Um, you know, because that's one of your longer throws in the outfield. Never going to make a super short throw. So they have to go to 150. If they're at 150 and like, all right, I'm good for the day, they can work their way back in. If not, you know, they keep working for me. What are some of the better routines you've seen your guys use? Maybe pregame, during the game. What are some of the better routines? It might be hitting outfielders or hitters. What are some of the better routines you've seen out of your guys? Or even for yourself personally, like something that you used as a player that you felt like helped with your routines? Uh, so I would say I would say some of our guys, uh, or mostly all our hitters, um, you know, they have a set routine. So, you know, they'll, they'll get here for early work. Uh, they'll go through a T routine. A T series, very simple. It's like five T drills that they go through. Um, you know, we don't emphasize, you know, soft toss or anything like that. But if they want a soft toss, you know, they have full range to do that. Um, and the field set up, you know, for them to hit on the field. Normally, we have a machine set up. Um, it'll be something different every day. Um, you know, we do, might do oppo angle one day. Um, you know, we might just do straight up machine. Um, we've even, you know, cut the legs off the machine and just stuck it on the ground and just, you know, worked on uh, balls at the top of the zone. Um, you know, so uh, a really good routine, I would say, for our guys, you know, just their T routine and what they go through on, on a daily basis. Um, and just the early work aspect of it um, has kind of helped out for sure. Your BP rounds change much during the season? Uh, here and there. Um, we'll try to keep it the same a little bit. Um, we may change it just, hey, we're seeing a staff this weekend that's doing something that we might need to work on. Uh, we might implement that into BP, but normally it stays the same. It might change here and there at times. How are you keeping your bench guys fresh in season? How are you getting them reps? Um, so we try to do, um, you know, live hitter versus pitcher. Um, we try to do that as much as we can. Um, you know, we try to get those guys as many ABs as possible. Um, you know, the early work aspect of it um, as well, too, getting those guys extra swings. Um, even after practice, getting those guys extra swings. Um, so there's opportunity for them to get as many reps as they can, whether it's five ABs or early work or, you know, after practice. Um, so they're definitely uh, fresh for sure. What would you like to see out of the incoming players that maybe they're not getting uh, before they get to you? Where would you like to see coaches before they get to you? What what do they need to clean up before they get to you all? Oh, man, I would say base running. Um, base running is a big thing. Um, you know, when you're in high school, I wouldn't say base running is – that important you know you're seeing guys getting pinch run for and everything like that so if you're getting a catcher you know he's never had to run the bases because he just comes right off the field after you know he gets his base hit or whatever um so base running for sure i would say uh bunting um you know bunting is definitely a big thing for us you got to know how to bunt um you know so i'll probably say those two things are probably the most important things that i see just at that high school level that um you know Know, isn't being taught uh, as much as it should be, uh, but it, it definitely um, you know helps when they get here and we kind of go through our process of it. So I liked recruiting catchers that played multiple positions because you knew they had to base run. Yeah, I mean that was it. Like I, I'm trying to think. I don't know. I don't know too many of our catchers I had in 22 years that didn't also play other positions. So they actually were pretty good base runners when we got them because they weren't getting pinch ran for all the time because they were playing other positions when they weren't catching. So, and that, that, that wasn't even by, by, uh, you know, we weren't doing that on purpose. I was doing that more because I knew they maybe wouldn't catch as a freshman. 
and right. it would allow them to get more at bats because they were athletic enough to go play somewhere else on the field. I think catching is the hardest position for freshmen to come in and play just because it's so different than the college, than the high school level. So I knew that it at least gave them an opportunity, even if they weren't going to catch a lot, that they maybe could still get some at-bats as a freshman because they were comfortable playing some other positions. Right. Yeah, no doubt. And it showed sure. they were athletic, too. You know, yeah. You yeah. Know, had some aptitude to play some other positions. You're a good example of, like, you've worked your way up. What's some advice for some young coaches that are trying to get into it right now? Man, I would just say if this is really what you want to do, you got to stick with it. Um, that's that's the biggest thing um, that I see. Um, you know, this profession is hard. Um, you know, the pay, you know, it's not what you think it is. Um, and, you know, you're never going to get in, the, in this game to be paid a lot of money. You know, that's just not what it is. Um, you know, so you got to really be dedicated, dedicated to the game and, you know, just what you want to do. Um, you know, for me, you know, it was simple. Um, you know, I wanted to help out players as much as I could, um, you know, just grow the game a little bit more. And, you know, for me, I just love being around the game and, didn't really get into this to to make a lot of money, but I would say just stick with it. Um, you know, there's definitely some tough times for sure, but you just got to stick through it and, you know, just work your way up. And There's you know, options. Down. You can go get yeah. plasma if you need to. Yeah. I, yeah. I, honestly, this is the greatest time to be an assistant. You can drive Uber or Lyft, and, and yeah. honestly, you can make ends meet. You might not get much sleep, but if you really love doing it and you're passionate about it, you can find a way. I think – I think with anything in life, if you're passionate about it, I think you'll find a way to do it. And, you know, if you're not, then it's not going to be for you. But our, you know, college level is not for everybody. It's just not like and, and I think it's set up that way. You know, it's set up to be difficult because it weeds out the people that don't really want it. And the people that do really want it and are willing to make those sacrifices, those are the ones that get to stay in. Yeah. Yeah. I know uh, my second year at Austin P uh, or yeah, second year. I worked at a liquor store just to make ends meet. So I was at the liquor store in the morning, and then once yep. 12 o'clock hit, I was straight to the field. So, uh, yeah, you know, you, know, you got to make peanut butter legs. jellies. I, I still make my lunch every day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I got peanut butter and jelly today. I got yeah. raw mushrooms, a tangerine, <laughs> banana, and, and a peanut butter and jelly I made last night. I pre I meal prepped last night, put it in the fridge, and it was ready when I when I picked it out. Hey, you guys are a nationally recognized university. How are you guys laying out recruiting? I mean, because it, it's not just North Carolina for you all. I mean, there's going to be a kid on the, the West Coast that's going to know about A&T. So how are you guys laying out the recruiting calendar and where you're going to go? Uh, so for us, um, you know, it just depends. But for us, it's a lot of uh, some Northeast stuff, um, you know, some, uh, you know, Florida, uh, Georgia, uh, obviously North Carolina, South Carolina. Uh, we've made our way through the Midwest a little bit, haven't had that much success in the Midwest. Um, we're trying to make our way over there. Um, you know, but like you said, there's not as many options for kids as for HBCU kid in, in the Midwest, are there? No, uh, there's, there, not. there's none, right? I, I, I don't think so. I don't think, I don't think there's think any. So. I mean, you got to go, so. you know, in the middle of, of the U.S., you got to go south to get there. Yes. I, don't, there I don't think there's any in, in the, the Midwest to upper Midwest. Yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't think so. I'll top of my head, I don't think there is. Because Antonio uh, Walker in our office, who's full-time now, he played at Mississippi Valley. You okay. know, he and I have talked about that. He was from Michigan, but he, you know, he didn't have any options. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're, we just try to find as, as many guys as, as possible um, and, you know, just kind of go from there. So it doesn't really matter whether it's northeast, uh, you know, down south, midwest, just wherever is best fit um, is definitely what we're looking for. What are you guys most known for academically at A&T? Uh, 
engineering. Engineering is the, is the big thing. On you have many and, baseball players that are in engineering. So we have, I want to say like three. Shout um, out to tough. you guys. Cause it's hard to do. That's the hardest major. So I would be hammering that with recruits. If you have a guy yeah. that wants engineering, because I use Georgia tech as an example. If you look at Georgia tech's roster, they don't have one guy on their team. That's in the engineering program. It's, it's, and, and it's mainly been it's mainly been pitchers though it's mainly been pitchers well, so they're class they, they can work around that block schedule a little bit better yeah yeah so i think some of those guys like they have class you know three to whatever so they're missing yeah. practice some days yeah. um but we understand that you know that that degree program is really really special over there and, you know if you see the building over there you'll understand what i'm talking about it's just they just finished it uh last spring i think it's like a 90 million dollar building and Everything that you need as an engineering student is in that building. You know, so if we bring guys on campus that are interested in engineering, like like kids in the candy shop, like, oh my God, like this this is something special I've never seen before. And so you're in the triad special. area, which has gotta be easier for those guys to get jobs. Yes, yes, it is. I know our uh, our student manager, um, he just graduated and already has a job lined up. I'm waiting for him. Um, I think he starts in two weeks. Um, you know, so very easy for sure. How are you guys handling workouts, strength and conditioning workouts in the fall and then in the spring for you guys? Are you going early morning? Are you going after practice? Does that adjust as the season starts? Um, so during the fall, we do early morning. So we do 7 a.m. workouts. Um, you know, we like to do it That's before practice. That's still not practice. that early. 7 a.m. is no. horrible. It's not fun. Well, for, for them it is. For 7 a.m. <laughs> for, for the kids, it's, it's early. <laughs> um, but, yeah, we do 7 a.m. Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Um you know, nothing, nothing too crazy. Um, and then in the spring, it just kind of depends. Um, uh, I think this past year we did it um, sometimes in the morning, um, maybe like like early afternoon-ish, just depending on the class schedule and what we had practice or game-wise. Um, but, you yeah, know, that's, that's what we really do, nothing, nothing too crazy. And you talked about having to handle, do a better job of handling failure as a player. When did that light bulb go on for you? Or was it a coach? Was it you personally? Like, okay, I've got to handle the failure part of the game a little bit better here. It's probably my sophomore year. Um, my sophomore year, Juco, you know, that's your time where, you know, you're hopefully going to get recruited and you know, hopefully find your next spot. And I put a little bit too much pressure on myself for sure. You know, I thought I had to, you know, overdue my freshman year I thought I had to be a lot better you know which I had a really good freshman year and I thought I had to you know do all these incredible things um and the first three weeks of the season four weeks of the season I didn't get a hit like not one hit started the season like oh for 30 that's how I was like panic mode like stop oh looking at the like, stats <laughs> at that point that's it I work with so, with college players now a little bit and if they start out bad I'm like do not look at your stats anymore. Just start fresh, wipe, wipe yeah. it clean, start over and start from there. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, didn't have a good start to the season, but uh, our assistant coach Schaefer at Potomac State, you know, I think it was the last game, you know, he kind of was just like, Hey man, like you're a good player. You know that, right? I was like, I mean, yeah, just I'm not very good right now though. And he's just like, well, you know, it's it's going to work out. You're hitting baseball's hard. It's, they're going to fall. Like, just stick with what you're doing. Like, don't freak out. Just keep going about your business, and it'll all work out. And, you know, a week later, you know, dropped a bunt down and got myself going. It's the best way um, to get going. Yeah. Best way to yeah, get so, going. It's the short yeah. game has some benefits for momentum and getting players going. I think it's just a reminder, like, hey, I can actually get on base again. 
Right. Like, exactly. Just, okay. It's just a nice <laughs> reminder that like, okay, I can get, I can get to first base when I need to. It's not that big a deal. Yeah. Do you have a fail forward moment? Do you have something you thought was going to set you back, but looking back now is one of the best things that, that happened to you to help you move forward? Ooh. Um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say so. I would probably say like maybe being a volunteer, just the grind of that. I'm um, just going through that. You know, it's definitely, it's hard. Um, you know, you're not making a lot of money. You know, it's long hours. Um, you're doing a lot of work that people don't want to do. Um, but you know, once I got through that, and, you know, just worked my butt off and, you know, it definitely paid off. So I, I would probably say that, but I really wouldn't say it, it was a bad thing. It just definitely helped me. In the long Did run. anybody prepare you for that before you got into it that laid that out? Like, Hey, here's what it actually looks like. Yeah, so Coach Case at Jacksonville State, you know, he was very straight up about it. It's just like, you know, coaching, it isn't easy. You know, it's it's hard. Um, you know, sometimes you're going to question, like, man, is this really what I want to do? Um, but you just got to stick with it. Um, and, you know, his advice definitely helped. Um, and, you know, I talked to him my first year pretty much, you know, every other, every other month, just, you know, hey, what would you do in this situation? What would you do in this situation? So he was a big help for me and, um, you know, definitely gave me good advice. Do you have any evening or morning routines that you like, that you use, that you feel like help you? Uh, so I work out pretty much every morning. Um, I try to about like 6.30, 7 o'clock, um, try to work out. Me and my fiance go every morning. You know, just something that we've done, you know, since we, we've started dating. Where are you doing um, that you know, at? O2 Fitness. So is it uh, set? Is it set? Or are you guys just going in and working out on your own? Uh, so we just go in and work out on our own. So. Normally, um, you know, she'd be like, what are we doing for the day? And I'll be like, oh, we're doing legs. Let's just do legs. Um, so we'll just come up with some, you know, some exercises that we do. And we'll stay in there for about an hour um, and then go home. Stack.com. You know, I, yeah, that's, I, I never that's a used any of it as a player. But when I, for me personally, is I got a lot of workouts off Stack. Yeah, that or uh, I think it's bodybuilding.com. Um, you would think there's just bodybuilding workouts on there, but there's not. Yeah. There's a bunch of workouts on there for sure. Yeah, I picked up some like Tabata exercises. Like Tabata's hard. It's a lot of kettlebell stuff. And uh, Tabata, anybody listening in that wants a challenging workout, go do a Pilates class first because <laughs> that class will crush your core. Uh, good luck getting through the whole 30 or 40 minutes of it. But then Tabata is another. If you, it, It's T-A-B-A-T-A. Um, and a lot of it's kettlebell exercises that are really challenging. A lot of movement stuff, um, really challenging. And literally, like, after 10 minutes, you'll be drenched, and, and that's good. It's plenty good. Yeah, check it out. It's a 10-minute sprint of a lot of different stuff, which is fun. What have been your thoughts on the ABCA Diversity Committee? I mean, I saw you at the the coaches where you're getting to do the, the round table stuff is basically like speed dating this year, which I thought was, a, I thought it was a great idea. It was great. I thought, you know, it was like speed dating where you're getting, you know, three to four minutes with somebody and then getting move on. You know, what, what have been your thoughts of, of those meetings that we've had? It's been helpful. Um, definitely helpful for sure. I definitely think in the long run, it's definitely going to help. Um, you know, it's definitely, you know, just helped me just in my career, just asking, you know, certain questions to some head coaches of, you know, hey, what's it like, you know, being a head coach or, you know, what was like the transition between assistant to head coach um, or just even recruiting questions? Um, you know, so it's been a, a big help for me. Uh, I'm sure it's been a big help for all the people that were involved in it. Um, you know, so it's been it's been really good. What's been some of the information as far as making the transition uh, from assistant to head coach? Yeah. So, I mean, you know, the coaches that I talked to just said when you're assistant, 
it feels like you're the most liked, you know, coach on the team. You know, everybody loves you. Um, you know, everybody comes to you for everything. Um, then the head coach, obviously, you're making the important decisions and, you know, you're making who's in the lineup, who's not in the lineup. Um, you know, so just differentiating the two, you know, assistant to, to head coach, uh, probably yeah. the things that they said. You turn into a, it's a management position. When you, when you yeah. get to be a head coach, you're now a CEO. It's a management position, which, which is great, but it also takes away a lot of the stuff you really liked along the way as an assistant coach. So just anybody that's taken over a program, just understand like your roles change and a lot of what you really liked as an assistant, a lot of that stuff goes away. So just make sure you know, as my dad always said, be careful what you wish for. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what are some final thoughts or something I should ask you that I didn't? Uh, no, you've asked pretty much everything. No, everything's good. Um, you know, I think you guys are doing a great job with this platform, um, you know, growing the game and, um, you know, just getting a bunch of people on this podcast to kind of give their story and, you know, give some background on what they're, you know, they're trying to accomplish. Um, you know, so I think you guys are doing a great job for sure. I love it. We have so many great coaches. Like that's the gratifying thing for me with the podcast is that, we'll bring guests on that probably a lot of people don't know and they're phenomenal coaches. They're phenomenal people. And that's been the best part for me with the podcast is bringing people on that people don't know, but I'll have people reach out all the time. It's like great guests. And I'm like, yeah, like we have a lot of great people out there that nobody knows. And that's what we should be about with our platform is introducing people that people don't know. So again, it gets people out there and it shines a great light on the game of baseball as a whole because we have great coaches at every level. So, Elliot, thank you very much for jumping on with me. I know you're busy. You probably got to get on the road. So, hopefully, yeah. <laughs> hopefully, you got that kid to commit that was on campus. Uh, yeah. Uh, hopefully, hopefully, we get him. So, we'll, we'll see what All happens. All right. If he's listening, I saw you. I saw you over at War Memorial. You make sure you commit to A and T. <laughs> All right, Elliot. I appreciate it. Yeah. Have a good one. With North Carolina a t being in Greensboro and five minutes away from my house, I get a chance to go watch them quite a bit in the spring. I've always had great interactions with Coach McCummings and their entire staff. a t has a beautiful campus right in the heart of Greensboro. Should definitely be on the list for any recruits looking for a mid-major school. Thanks again to Antonio Walker, Jim Richardson, John Litchfield, Zach Hale, and Matt West in the ABC office for all their help on the podcast. Feel free to reach out to me via email, rbrownlee at abca.org. Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at CoachB underscore ABCA, or direct message me via the MyABCA app. This is Ryan Brownlee signing off for the American Baseball Coaches Association. Thanks, and leave it better for those behind you.